Good evening. A warm welcome to the service this evening. And again, it's good to see some visitors with us, not strangers, but visitors uh, with us. And uh, it's good to have uh, you. It's good for us all to be able to come together and to worship God, those in the building, and uh, not forgetting also those who still are tuning in online. Sahi <laughs> 
Kale huste die, schat ook een kale die, nacht de kallen. Hij gooit er jaarlijks in, zien je naar toe, je nou niet juist als een maandag. De toe, je nou kunt geven, je nou gooit er jaarlijks in die toe, je nou niet juist. Als je geen Kumushi <laughs> Ik heb een Ik 
Shevine, my lightnikes, my herman, Dian, Ephraim, Kabor, Hagoshim, and Troch beyond Skarshi. If you can turn with me now, please, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to do the Lord's Prayer over the last uh, few weeks. We come at the next section uh, where we uh, read Jesus teaching us uh, to pray, Your will be done. So, Matthew chapter 6, we'll read from verses 5. Jesus speaking to his disciples said, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you. If you could have your Bibles open, please, at the the passage that we read from Matthew chapter 6. And if you've got your Bibles or your devices with Bibles on them uh, to hand tonight, we're going we're gonna to jump around to one or two places, or a few places in the course of the sermon. So uh, just to, to warn you to have your fingers awake. So as we turn back to this passage, let's again uh, ask for God's help and let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the gift of prayer. Uh, We thank you for this lesson in prayer uh, that we are taught. We thank you that we are able to to listen in to the the response, the lesson of Jesus as his disciples came asking, uh, teach us to pray. And we pray, Lord, that uh, as we open your word and as we meditate upon just a few words this evening, we pray for the help of the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would enable us to be attentive Uh, You know our minds, Lord, and our minds can be cluttered with many different things. Uh, There are responsibilities, there are pressures, there are tasks that uh, have uh, been done over the last few days and are ahead of us in the next week, and our minds can uh, stray to them as we sit. And we pray, Lord, that uh, you would give to us that attentiveness, that we would uh, listen, and that we would listen with expectation, not that uh, we'll hear a word from a man, but... We pray that we would hear the voice of God as we listen to the words of Scripture. We pray that you would uh, work within our hearts, that uh, our hearts would be softened, that our hearts would be like good uh, ground ready to receive the the, the good seed of the gospel. And we pray, Lord, that you would uh, minister in us, that uh, each of us would be touched uh, through the word of God this evening. We pray for anyone tonight Uh, here or listening in. We pray for anyone uh, who we go in our minds to, those in our family circle, those uh, who are our friends who don't yet know Jesus. And we pray that as we bring them to you in prayer that you would awaken their souls, that they would uh, see their sin and see that there is only uh, one saviour. There's only one name, one way of salvation and that's through Jesus Christ, your son, our saviour. And through that cross, where he went to die on our behalf. We thank you for the words that we sang just a a few moments ago. 
I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. And we thank you that these are, not, uh, these are not just ideas, these are not just concepts. We thank you that these are historical facts, these are truths which uh, are the centre of all history. We thank you that Jesus really did come into this world and lived for us that perfect, sinless life. We thank you that we have the record of it in Scripture, that we see something of what a, a life without sin looks like. We thank you that he did it for us as our substitute, because we confess, Lord, that we sin in thought and in word and in deed, and we pray for your forgiveness. And we thank you that we can pray for that forgiveness, knowing that when we confess our sin, when we truly seek that forgiveness, we, we are forgiven through the death of Jesus. We thank you that he died to take the punishment for our sin. And we thank you that when we call upon his name, uh, when we simply come repenting, uh, we have the assurance that uh, you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that you will save us from our sin. And we thank you for the resurrection of Jesus. We thank you that when the work of salvation was finished, as he cried out from the cross, it is finished. We thank you that on the third day he rose from the, the grave. And uh, he declared, because I live, you too shall live. And so we thank you, Father, for the, the hope of eternity, for those who are in Christ. We think of those who worship with us on many occasions here in times past. Uh, we think of faces whom we saw uh, week by week before the, the season of pandemic, uh, who are no longer with us in time, uh, but whom we believe are with you in that place prepared for them. And we thank you, Lord, for that gospel hope that is given to all who believe. And we pray for those who, who grieve. We pray for those who struggle even to come in here, for those who, has lost, who have lost loved ones in, in past days and weeks and months. And we ask, Lord, that they would know uh, your comfort. And we thank you, Lord, for uh, that sure and certain hope that is in Christ. And for any, Lord, as we have been praying who are outside of Christ, we pray that you would draw them in. And for any, Lord, who may be some distance from Jesus this evening, your people but drifting, we pray that you would draw each of us back. And for those, Lord, who have no interest and no thought, uh, we, we bring them to you again in prayer. Uh, we cannot uh, wake them up with our words, but through your Spirit you are able to awaken a heart in a second. So as we think of faces, Lord, uh, we bring to you names in the silence of our own hearts and we pray that you would be at work in uh, their lives as we pray that you would be at work in our lives. So hear our prayers and help us as we look to you now and we pray all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, if your Bibles are open in front of you this evening, we're in Matthew chapter 6 and uh, we are looking uh, at uh, verse 10 and really we're going to consider only four words um, this evening and it's uh, these words of Jesus uh, your will be done that's our, our focus as we come back to the Lord's prayer as we listen in to, to what he says to his disciples as they say to him uh, teach us to pray I want to just zoom in on these four words uh, tonight your will be done and again, these are familiar words, because although we haven't until now anyway um, had the Lord's Prayer uh, recited within, within services, uh, we know this prayer. 
Uh, many of us in school uh, were brought up uh, saying this prayer uh, day after day. And even the young ones who, who are not hearing this in school, uh, most, I think, would be able to recite the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's familiar to us, but the danger with a familiarity is that we stop thinking about the words. They roll off our tongues, but they lose impact because we don't uh, stop to, to, to consider what they really mean. So tonight, uh, let's just uh, pause for uh, some time and think about these four words, your will be done. Three points in the time that we have. And uh, the first point to note is that your will be done is a prayer that we're taught to pray. So in this uh, lesson of Jesus, uh, he teaches us to pray. This is, this is not Jesus' prayer. Sometimes you might think, well, this is a prayer that Jesus is praying that he's allowing us to listen into. But no, this is not Jesus' prayer because Jesus would never have to pray, forgive us our sins, because he never sinned. So this is a prayer that Jesus has prescribed for us. And so he, he says, when you pray, pray, uh, your will be done. This then is how you should pray, verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we might ask the question as we, we start to think about this, well, what is the will of God? I thought about stopping and asking the children for a, a minute, um, you know, tell us about God's will, but I thought that may take us more time than we've got. Uh, we might have that question in our minds, uh, what, what is the will of God? Or we might have that question uh, within our own hearts, um, what is the will of God for my life? And it's a difficult question to, to grapple with. Um, people write PhDs on, on, on the will of God. Uh, scholars talk about the, the, the sovereign, efficacious will of God and the, uh, the preceptive will of God. Uh, and you can be encouraged to know we're not going there tonight, uh, mainly because I'm not a scholar and I wouldn't know much about what I'm talking about. But it's a difficult question. The will of God is a mysterious thing that uh, much has been written about. Um, and the will of God is a question that, that people obsess over and fixate on when it, when it comes to the, the, the details of our individual lives. But the problem is, God doesn't give us chapter and verse uh, for each detail of our lives. And if we're one of these kind of uh, dithering people who, who, who wants who wants a text to tell us from, from the Bible uh, where we should live and, and what job we should do and, and who precisely we should marry and what to have for dinner, we're not going to get a verse expanding uh, the detail of God's will for us on many of these things. I think God expects us to use our common sense, our sanctified common sense if we're, if we're Christians, and, and consider the gifts and the interests and the tastes that he's given us, and, and prayerfully uh, seeking wisdom uh, with, with the Bible open, we make decisions. I think a good example of that would be, would be Ruth. And uh, you could go to the, the book of Ruth later this evening. We won't go there just now, but in Ruth chapter 2, uh, we see uh, Ruth, uh, and she's with her, her mother-in-law, Naomi. She's come from... Um, the land of Moab, uh, she comes into to, to, to Israel, she comes into Bethlehem, and she's a foreigner. And in that culture, uh, that was a difficult thing to have to, to, to bear. She's a foreigner, uh, she's living in a place, she has no money, uh, there are no social services, uh, there would be a stigma that she has to live with, uh, she has no job. So what does she do? Well, we find her on, on day one in this new place, and she gets up in the morning, 
And she says in in Ruth chapter 2, verse 2, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. She doesn't stay in her bed and say, I wonder when God will reveal his will to me for what I'm to do today. No, she, she gets up, she has her breakfast, she brushes her teeth, and she says, I better go and do something. And so she heads out to this field, and the field that she wanders into just so happens to be the field that uh, belongs to Boaz. And if we know the story of Ruth, we know that Boaz becomes her redeemer, Boaz becomes her, her husband. And what we see there is that God was working out his will and purpose, even though Ruth couldn't see it. And that's very often the way God's will is worked out in our lives. We don't have the detail. We'd love the detail sometimes of, of what to do for the next five years. Uh, the planners amongst us, we'd love the projection to show us God's uh, will for our lives for the next decade. But, but he doesn't give us that. I think it's a great mercy that he doesn't. We don't have that detail. But day by day, as we trust the Lord, as we read his word and seek to obey his word, as we acknowledge him in prayer, as it says in Proverbs chapter 3, he directs our path. He keeps us in his will. But much of the detail of God's will is, is, is hidden from us. It's mysterious. So our calling is to walk by faith. And all this might sound very cloudy and, and very... Uh, unclear and we might ask the question uh, is there any clarity in terms of God's will you know has God revealed anything of his will of his desire for us and the answer is yes he has as we open the bible uh, and as we search for 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 the will of God uh, we see repeatedly that his his will for us his desire for us is that we will not perish but will be saved so I want us to go to um, three examples of that just now. So if you turn in your Bibles, first of all, to Matthew chapter 18, and we have the first example of, uh, of God's will for us that we will not perish, but that we'll be saved. Jesus, in, in verse 12 of Matthew 18, uh, he's speaking to the crowds and he says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, Will he not leave the 99 in the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. So there's an example of God's will. He's not willing that any of these little ones, of any of his people, that we would perish. Turn now to John chapter 6 for another example of God's will for us. Jesus, in uh, verse uh, 38 of of John chapter 6, he says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So God's will for us is that we will not perish, that we will be saved, that we will receive eternal life, that we will be raised up on the last day. And in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, I'll just read this one out. You don't have to go there. But it says in that verse, the Lord is, is long-suffering. 
towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if we're looking for an answer to the question, uh, what is God's will? What does God's will look like? Then we're given insight in these passages. God's clear will, God's revealed will, is that we will not perish, but rather will come to repentance. God's will is that we will look to Jesus and be saved. And remember, salvation has these three tenses. I haven't uh, said that for a while, but salvation has these three tenses. There's the past tense of salvation, which means that we, we, we have been saved. Past tense, that takes us to the cross. Uh, the finished work of Christ. Uh, we sang about it. Jesus dying in our place to take the punishment for our sin so that we could be justified, uh, so that we could be saved. Past tense. God's will is that we will look to the cross, look to Jesus, and we will be ultimately, securely, irreversibly, past tense, saved. I wonder how we've done that yet. But then there's the present tense of salvation. You know, we are being saved day by day. This is a, a lifelong process. It's the work of, of God, the Holy Spirit within us. Uh, it's a work where he sanctifies us. Uh, we're saved, but we're saved for a purpose. And that's to be sanctified, to be made more like Jesus. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13 uh, says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel so that you might share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that takes us to the third tense of salvation, uh, the, the future tense. Do you want me to talk about uh, being saved? There's past tense, at the cross, it is finished, Jesus has done it. And then there's present tense, where God, uh, through that lifelong process, is sanctifying us uh, through that work within us, the work of the Holy Spirit, to make us more like Jesus. And then there's the future tense of salvation, uh, where we can say with certainty, we will be saved. When we die, we know, because we are in Christ, we will be saved. But that's not arrogance, that's faith. If we've looked to Jesus, if we've trusted him, if we've sought that forgiveness of sin, uh, we will be saved. Ultimately, uh, sin gone. Taken to that place where there's no sin, no sickness, no sadness, no Satan. We're perfect peace. We have been saved through Christ. We're justified. Uh, we are being saved through the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we are sanctified. And the promise of God is that we will be saved. We will be made like Jesus. Glorified. That's God's ultimate will for us. We can read of it in, in 1 John chapter 3 and at verse 2. Uh, John writes, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's God's will for us. Salvation. Past, present, future tense salvation. That's the big picture. Uh, that's the, the, the eternal perspective of, of, of God's will for us, uh, that we will repent, that we will receive the, the grace of Jesus, uh, that we will be saved. So when we pray, as we are taught, your will be done. Yes, we are bowing before the Lord, asking that he will work out uh, his purposes in the detail of our lives here, in terms of our relationships and our careers and our locations, etc., but ultimately, we are praying, asking that he will save us eternally. So have you prayed this yet? Is the application here. Have we prayed this? 
Lord God, uh, your will be done. I don't want to perish. I want my sins forgiven. I want the, the salvation that Christ has paid for. I want you, Holy Spirit, to make me more and more like Jesus. And I want on the day when I'm taken from time into eternity to be in the place where Christ is and to be like him. Are we praying that? Your will be done. Work out your salvation in my life. So your will be done is a prayer that we are taught to pray. And the second point here is your will be done uh, was a prayer that Jesus prayed. Now when we think about uh, being saved, we know it's a free offer. Uh, We're saved by grace. If I was to ask the little ones, how much does it cost to be saved? Well, let me ask you, how much does it cost to be saved? Michael, Jono, Ailey, Alistair, how much does it cost to, to be saved? How much money does it cost to become a Christian? Pardon? None, zero. How many works do we have to do? How much uh, do we have to do to become a Christian? What standard do we have to get to, to become a Christian? None. It's not about us. We can't earn salvation. We can't buy salvation. Uh, we receive it by grace. Our salvation is, is free to us, but it was not cheap. We didn't pay, but Jesus paid. Uh, there's a hymn I was looking for, it, but it's not in any of our, of our hymn books. But the chorus uh, goes, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. See, it was God's will that we were, uh, it was God's will for us to be saved. uh, But in order for that to happen, there needed to be a savior. Because we can't save ourselves. And that savior uh, was Jesus. And so it was God's will that Jesus suffer for our sin. That's the dark side of our salvation. And we sang it in uh, the the two hymns that we, that we went through this evening. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That he would send his only son to make a wretch's treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away. As wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons, many souls to glory. For us to be saved, Jesus had to suffer. Bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a saviour. God's will for us is that we will not perish, but that we will be saved. But there had to be a saviour. The saviour had to pay the price for our sin. And we read of that in Isaiah 53. If you want to, you can go to Isaiah 53. I'll just read through the verses quickly. We're very familiar with the, the early part of Isaiah 53. He was bruised for our transgressions and uh, these verses in the early uh, section. But in the, the end of Isaiah 53 and verse 10, it's striking to see the will of God uh, being uh, referred to so powerfully. Uh, verse 10, it says, uh, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. This is prophesying uh, the, the crucifixion of Jesus. It was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer, verse 10. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's us. It was the will of 
of the Lord to crush him, Jesus, and cause him to suffer so that we could be saved within the Trinity. Before a time began, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there was that determination of will to save us. And so there was that determination of the will of God uh, to suffer so that our salvation could be secured. But in Gethsemane, Jesus, uh, the God-man, in his humanity was beginning to feel the weight of our sin, pressing down upon him. Jesus in Gethsemane was, was beginning to feel the reality of, of the suffering that our sin uh, would cause. And we get a window into that. Matthew 26. Let's go there just for a moment. Now verse 36. As Jesus comes close to the cross. It says in verse 36 of Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with them, the disciples, uh, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, uh, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. So this prayer is not only the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, but this prayer is the prayer that Jesus prayed as he advanced to the cross to suffer for our sin, to secure our salvation. He prayed, your will, Father, be done. And I wonder, I don't know the answer to this, but I wonder as Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your will be done. Could he foresee this moment in Gethsemane? I don't think we can be sure of that, but I think it's possible that he saw it right through the ministry of Christ. He never lost sight of the will of the Father. And as he came close to the cross, the prospect of suffering was horrific. Jesus recoiled from it in his humanity. If there had been any other way to save us from sin, he would have taken it. But there was no other way to pay the price of sin as we sing. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. And so, for our sake, Jesus prayed to his Father. In that state of anguish, your will be done. This is the, the prayer that Jesus prayed. And as we, as we consider it, and as we uh, see Jesus, as we are taken into that place, that, that uh, place, Gethsemane, how do we apply this? Because it is right that we pause and ask the question throughout every sermon, uh, what does this mean for me? How, how do we apply this? What should we do in response as we see the Saviour in that posture of prayer with sweat uh, like drops of blood falling onto the ground before him and hear these words, your will be done. What do we do with this? We worship Jesus. That's what we do. Uh, we, we pray out our thankfulness to him for, for all he has done. We, we trust him. Uh, we obey him. We offer up our lives to him. That's the, the only appropriate response to Jesus as we consider this prayer that he prayed. And yet there are so many who will not do it. 
there are so many uh, who are unmoved by this. There are so many who have hardened their hearts, uh, who refuse almost thoughtlessly the, the grace of Jesus and dismiss the sufferings of Christ and cast aside the teaching of Jesus. There are so many people who will, who will not pray this prayer. Your will be done. Save me, Lord. It's the way it was 2,000 years ago. We'll come to it as we uh, come towards the end of, of Luke 13. Jesus, he, he's, he's looking over Jerusalem and he's in tears. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. It's the way it was. And it's the way it still is for many today even uh, some who are present here perhaps even some who may be watching there is that refusal to let Jesus save you that refusal to pray Lord Jesus in my life your will be done and unless that changes uh, these words that we refuse to pray to God as saviour will be words that are heard from God as judge that takes us to our final point that will take me just one or two minutes. Your will be done, there are. It's a prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. Your will be done is a, a prayer that Jesus prayed for our salvation's sake, uh, but your will be done are the words that God will speak to those who dismiss the salvation that is offered in Christ, ultimately. And this thought is not my own thought. This is a thought that comes from C.S. Lewis in his book, The, the Great Divorce. And uh, he, he says this, and we'll finish just almost with this quote. C.S. Lewis says, There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, Thy will be done. Those who seek salvation. And those to whom God says in the end, Your will be done. All that are in hell, says C.S. Lewis. Choose it. So as we finish, let me ask the question, uh, what type of person are you? What type of person uh, will you and I be in the end? When we stand at the judgment throne, will we be one who has prayed as Jesus taught us to pray, uh, your will be done? Will we be those who have received salvation and meet Christ as Savior? Or will we be those who refuse to pray, thy will be done? Who refuse salvation, who refuse Christ and who choose hell? I pray that none of us would choose hell and perish. It's not God's will for us. But I pray that each of us would hear the call of God that we've heard morning and evening today, that call uh, to repent and choose to trust the only Savior, the only Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son. We'll pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray uh, that as we think about these uh, serious matters, uh, you would bring the challenge of the words of Christ to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we thank you that you are a God whose desire is that none will perish, but all will be brought to repentance. We thank you that in love you uh, call us Lord God, and we've heard it so clearly today uh, in both passages of Scripture. You call us to repent. You call us to receive the, the grace of Jesus. You call us to, to pray, uh, your will be done, save me. And we pray that each of us would be found uh, on our knees with these words on our lips coming from hearts that are sincere and Lord Jesus we thank you for that prayer that we heard uh, from Gethsemane as the reality of our sin 
are weighed heavily upon your shoulders as the torment and the anguish and the horror of it all uh, was brought to bear on you. We thank you for the prayer uh, that we heard. Uh, your will be done, Father. We thank you for that prayer and we thank you for all uh, that Jesus did in going to the cross and dying and rising so that we could be saved. Save us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.